This is a new year for us, uh, as I talked a little bit about last week, and I would like for us to set spiritual goals for ourselves. And in particular, I would like for us to reclaim uh, space for God in our lives, this space that has been taken up by other things. And as Megan just mentioned, things like uh, fear, anger, frustration, worry, anxiety, or anything else that pulls us away from our relationship with God. And it's interesting uh, because some of you are angry. Some of you are carrying anger around about uh, either things that you uh, think are not fair or about what you see going on in our country. Others are carrying fear, fear of what could happen or what might happen. I think a lot of us have been carrying these kinds of fears for a long time which leads to the anxiety, the worry, the stress over life and what's going to happen next. And last week we talked about how we begin to set spiritual goals for ourselves. Um, Now, our tendency, as we said, when we set spiritual goals is to want to make really big spiritual goals for ourselves. Uh, Things like we want our church to double in size or uh, we want all of Santa Rosa to come to know Jesus. And and yes, we want to change the world and we should want to change the world, but we find the big things that God does in us are predicated on small things, the small ways that we relate to God in our own lives. It's the small things that set us up for the bigger things. So we are going to set spiritual goals that are not going to necessarily be focused on what we want to accomplish, on the big things that we hope God will do. Instead, we are going to set spiritual goals that focus on the small practices, which will then lead us to the bigger thing that God actually wants to do in us, as opposed to the things that we want God to do in us. You with me? All right. I'm going to assume you said yes. So here are the four things that we are going to focus on over the next weeks. Silence, study, prayer, and fasting. Now, last week, I asked you to consider your life, and we talked about seeds and soil. So I asked you to consider what kind of soil you think you represent right now. And here are some of the things that I asked you to consider within that specific question. Number one, what does your soil look like right now? Is it healthy? Is it rocky? Are there weeds? And in particular, are there things that you need to move toward leaving behind? Things that you have brought out of all of this stress and worry of the last year. Uh, Is there anger, bitterness, uh, hurt, anxiety? And if those things are present, you first need to recognize that they're there because we can't really grow in our relationship with God if we're pretending that those things aren't there. The second thing, though, is that you need to name them before God. Uh, And I actually had a, a great email from someone this week who is doing just that, who recognized that she is carrying anger in her life and is is praying to God for how that can be worked out and how she can change 
that perspective. There is great power, church, in in naming these things and saying this is here instead of pretending like it's not there. And secondly, with that, it's okay to be working through these things. It's okay to not be at a place of complete healing or health yet. We so often rush ourselves to be over something, to put it behind us as if it doesn't matter to us anymore. We want God to change these things and help us leave these things behind, but we have to understand that this is an ongoing process in us, that God is working in us, and that the soil has to change and become healthy and a place where God's growth can take place. Secondly, not secondly, I think I've said secondly like six times now. So what would that be? Number five, six? What are the goals that you have for yourself spiritually this year? What are the things that you would like to see happen in your spiritual life? Now, again, when I say that, I don't mean what are the things that you want God to accomplish through you? What are the amazing things? But how do you see yourself growing closer to God this year? What's, a, what's an area or a place that you think a lot of growth can happen? I then asked you to pray this last week about being open to what God has for you, no matter what it is. Now, if you engaged in these exercises of self-reflection this last week, I hope that you experienced some moments of clarity and insight. Uh, those moments can be challenging, but I hope that you found them and that they were there. All right, so where do we start? If we're going to move forward in our relationship with God, if we are going to put things aside that we need to put aside and, and start making progress, where do we start? Well, we start by recognizing that one of the biggest obstacles right now, well, maybe all the time, to us effectively growing through uh, spiritual practices is our negative relationship with time. We are busy, busy people. Even though we have been in quarantine for almost a year now, life has not slowed down. M many of you were busy people before lockdown, and now you're working from home, which always sounds great. Uh, but the truth about working from home is that there is never a break from the things that need to be done. And I know many people who are working 12 hours a day, only taking a break to eat, and who by the end of the day, they don't have any energy left for anything. And I mean, how can you really take a break and go home from work when you're already home? And maybe added on top of that, your kids are home all the time for school and you're having to help manage their schedules as well, being a parent and a teacher. I, I think of Megan, uh, who's sitting here in this room with me this morning, who uh, is working full-time, is working for us, is finishing a master's degree, who has a toddler at home besides Justin, and <laughs> I just made Megan snort, and decided to get pregnant, or didn't decide to get pregnant. God does things to us at times. I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot of stuff going on. And, and a lot of you, your lives are the same way. Your lives are so full of so many things. Now, on the flip side of that coin, there are many who have more time on their hands than they have ever had before. There are many who have picked up new hobbies or found new interests or 
have searched for new ways to fill the unexpected time they have had on their hands. Now, no matter which category you fall into, I would imagine that most of us have experienced a certain amount of ongoing um, mental and emotional preoccupation and fatigue unlike anything we've ever known. For all of us, many of our down moments are filled with angst over the condition of something in this world, whether it's politics or the pandemic or just how life has changed. We worry about what's going to happen. We're angry over what is happening, and we're grasping for direction in the middle of all of this. And I know that I can, just speaking for myself personally, I have spent entire days where it seems like my mind has been occupied by one thing or another, and by the time the day comes to a close, I feel so tired from simply having to process all the things that I've seen or read about or heard. All this has really led to a warped sense of time. 2020 was a remarkably long year, a year that seemed to protract with each new moment carrying into something unknown and new. But even putting this last year aside, church, time is always hard to manage. Our relationship with time is always difficult, and it never seems to get any easier. Part of the reason is that we are simply not very good at being still. Moreover, we are not very good at being quiet. So all of this, our hectic world and our hectic lives, all of this put together has a great effect on our spiritual lives. Let me just give you an example. In better times, I've had conversations with people where they have told me that they were just too tired to come to church. They had so much going on in their lives, both uh, whether it was professionally or even at home and things that were going on, that they needed to take a break. And it seemed like the only opportunity they had was on a Sunday morning. And therefore, they just, for their own health, for their own well-being, they just had to miss. Now listen, this isn't a lecture about church attendance, uh, particularly now. <laughs> I know that you are not going to be able to be here all the time, and I am certainly not angry about it just because I can't make that same choice. But all of us, at one time or another, have made this decision where something spiritual is just one more thing that we don't have the time or energy for. And even I as a minister, have this feeling. Sometimes I feel too tired or too stretched out to do one more thing. And honestly, like you may not have considered this before, but sometimes I am so wrapped up in everything I'm trying to plan and do that I am taking no time to spend personal time with God, just me and Him. But this tells us something important about how we view our lives sometimes. We are, again, so busy, so hyper-scheduled that it feels like we do not have a lot of room to make choices. And because we feel like we don't have room to make choices, there are things here that we don't feel like we can say no to, to our jobs, to our homes, our families, maybe even our friends. And the product of all of this is that our spiritual life is the easiest thing for us to say no to. I mean, after all, God will forgive us 
Who's really going to know? I'll just go next week. I'll make more time later when everything slows down. Well, if we make this decision about the one hour a week we have officially set aside for God, then what other decisions might we be making that we're not even aware of? So before we talk about all the things that we should do, all the practices that we need to add to our busy lives, perhaps we should acknowledge that the first thing we should do is nothing. Maybe we should start by not doing anything. We need to find the space to be still, quiet, and even silent before God. Now, this is not something that we take time to do very often. And because we don't take the time to be still and silent before God, we are often not taking time to listen to God. As if God might have something He wants to say to us. Oh, we know that God speaks to us in all sorts of different ways, but we expect Him to do that through our already busy lives, through our work or our family or our friends or the things that we're doing, as if God is going to jam Himself into the space that we're not really giving to Him. I think a good analogy to help us understand this relationship with God um, is, is, is this one. Between God and us, there is a door. Now, of course, you know the basic function of a door. Uh, it provides passage from one space into another. Keeps people in, keeps people out. Uh, sometimes the door is locked. Sometimes the door is unlocked. Sometimes it's closed, sometimes it's open. But you have to go through the door in order to get to the other space. Basic principles here. I... I, I I know you all know how a door works, but thank you for letting me feel smart for a moment. Now, if I were to ask you about your relationship to the door relative to God's relationship to the door, you would probably say that you are on the outside trying to get into the space where God is. So, that is most often represented because we come in this idea that we go to God for things. We approach Him and we ask Him. So here's what I think happens. At least I know it happens with me pretty often. Because we are so busy, we have difficulty finding time for God. When we do take time for God, we are often going to Him with our plans. It's our time to ask God for things, to lay our ideas in front of Him, to complain, to request. We, we go to Him in times of crisis, looking for uh, immediate answers. We go to Him when we desire something, wanting Him to say yes. We are looking for God to do or say certain things. And that's good. But when we do this, we are doing all of the talking and very little listening. Now, don't get me wrong, we are supposed to go before God with all of our requests, and the Bible makes that clear. Jesus makes that clear. And we'll talk more about this in a couple of weeks. But listen to what he says here in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door 
will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So, see? God wants us to come before him so that he can answer our prayers. He wants us to do the talking. He wants us to ask him so that he can give us good gifts. But you know how this goes. This kind of communication with God can be a frustrating experience because even though we are knocking or asking, it may not feel like God is answering the door or like God is giving us the answer that we want. It can be frustrating. And, and, and when this happens, when we say that God is not not answering or that God is not opening the door, then it feels like God is not listening to us, that, that we knocked and he didn't answer. I remember when I was so deep in my own depression that uh, I just, I wasn't sure uh, about really anything, about who I was, about what my future held, about how I was going to get out of this funk. And someone uh, pointed me to this verse as if all I had to do was ask and all my problems would be solved. And, and I looked, I wanted, I, I, I knew that they were trying to help me, but I wanted to just look at them and say, don't you think I've asked? Don't you think I've knocked? And guess what? There's been no answer. So when we read a passage like this one that encourages us to engage God, to go and to knock on the door, we can grow frustrated because we picture ourselves on the outside pounding on God's door and God maybe not giving us the answer that we want if he even answers at all. Now, as I said, we're going to talk in a couple of Sundays about prayer and how God answers prayer. But for the sake of our discussion this morning, do you see the problem with this entire example? Do you see how one-sided this approach is? As if God is there for us simply to go to, to ask for things. And that God's proof of his faithfulness is that he answers the door immediately when we knock or that he gives us what we want when we ask for it. Where is the space in there for God to speak to us? The book of Revelation gives us an interesting alternate view of the entire scenario. And it also involves a door. From Revelation chapter 4, verses 14 through 20. To the angels of the church in Laodicea, Right. These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. 
You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich, and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness, and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. And here it is. Are you ready? Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. What a different view of how this exchange with God actually works. This passage tells us a completely different story altogether. It is not us standing outside God's door knocking. It is Jesus standing outside of our door and knocking. We are not the ones on the outside trying to get in. Jesus is on the outside trying to get in, and we are the ones not opening the door. Huh. You see, we too have a house with a door. And we too choose when that door opens and when that door is closed, whether it's locked or whether it's unlocked. And we can't forget that in many of our great stories from the Bible, it is God who went to someone's door and knocked. And that person chose to open the door and hear what God had to say to them. Now, the writer tells us that there are specific reasons why we don't open the door. Number one, we are neither hot nor cold. What does this mean? Well, it's a twofold problem. We consider ourselves to be in a relationship with God. In fact, God knows where we live and which door is ours. He would, he's God. But at the same time, we are not engaged. We are not listening for the knock at the door. We are not inviting God inside. Why are we living in this in-between space where supposedly we know God, but we're not inviting Him in? We have a false perception of ourselves. Maybe we don't see ourselves as we truly are. The example he gives here is that we think we don't need anything, that we have it all under control. We are rich, we are fine, things are going well, but really we are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. A drastic difference between perception and reality. At a time like this, we probably see ourselves as a lot of those different things. But ultimately, here is the problem. The problem is you are behind the door and you are not hearing the voice of God. You are not all for him and you're not all against him. But you think everything is okay between you and him. But you're not listening for his voice. And if you are not listening for the voice of God, you are not really his. He is not guiding you. He is not leading you. You are making your own decisions and going to God whenever you have time. And into this space, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. So here's the basic principle for today. You have to be quiet and listen in order to hear the knocking. So, 
Are we willing to be still and to be quiet so that we can hear what God wants to say to us instead of looking for God to say to us what we want Him to say? Are we willing to give God uninterrupted time? Not time when you are doing something else. It's great to worship and sing or pray when you are in the car going somewhere. You should do that. It's a good practice. I am all for you worshiping and praying whenever and wherever you can. But what I'm talking about this morning is setting aside time, any amount of time where you will be still and quiet before God. You are not on your way to anything else. You are not doing anything else. You are not thinking about anything else. You are simply wanting to be present before God. It's a great idea, but practically speaking, how do you do this? I mean, am I really asking you just to like sit quietly in a chair in a room and not do anything? Mm, sort of. It can be hard to clear your mind. And I'm not suggesting that also in this time of quiet and stillness that you don't speak to God. But remember that the point of this exercise is that you want to hear from God, and so don't do this and spend all your time talking. So maybe because we've already said, you know, we're so busy in our minds, we're so distracted, there's so many things going on, what can we do to help us get into a space where we can be still and quiet? So let me just give you a few suggestions. Number one, as best as possible, you have to plan this. You can't wait for it to happen in the middle of your busy day because it just most likely won't. So what you have to do is you have to decide, I am going to make a time, whether it's when you first get up or before you go to bed or whatever it is. So you have to say, this is something I'm going to do. Now, this is important. I don't care how long it is. Just do it. Don't start out by trying to be quiet for 45 minutes. You'll probably be asleep. <laughs> start with five. Start with two. Start somewhere. So that's number one. Number two, be by yourself. If you want to do it with someone else, that's fine. Um, but ideally, be in a space by yourself. Don't have the TV on. Don't have other, you know, stimuli that can sort of take you away from that moment. Okay, good. So we've got this whole still and quiet thing. Got it. But how do you actually get into that space? Let me give you two suggestions. Number one, if there is a worship song that you love, listen to that song before you go into silence and stillness. And then let the words of that song wash over you. Read the words to it if, if you don't have a recording of it. So that's one way that you could get into a space. A second way would be to read a passage of Scripture. Read a psalm. Read something that describes who God is. And then take those thoughts, those thoughts into the space of stillness and quietness with you. Or lastly, and this may be where you need to start, 
acknowledge before God that this is difficult for you, to be still and quiet. Don't be afraid to talk to him. But if you're going to talk to him in this moment, talk to him about being present with him. Talk to him about what it is that draws you to him. Talk to him about the depth or the richness that you're hoping to find in listening. Now, I don't know what will happen through your time of doing this. I don't know how God will speak to you. But I know this. All the rest of the disciplines we can talk about are all built on being still and quiet before God. They are all built on our desire to want to connect with him, to hear his voice, to find his leading. And church, we cannot do any of those things if we are not taking the time to listen. Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Listen for the knocking and open the door.